you know, it's, it's interesting because we talk about this where it's like, it's the difference between like, how are you good, fine, busy, you know, the same old <laughs> to like, how are you really? And what I want for someone to do after this is I want for you to just get quiet with yourself. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to be distracted thinking about your shopping list or <laughs> what you're eating for dinner or what you need to get done or what email is waiting for you, but it'll all be waiting for you. And I want for you to just take a really deep breath and notice, how do you feel? How are you moving through life? When is the last time you felt joy? When is the last time you laughed until you cried? When is the last time you felt excited about what you were going to do? Hello, beautiful people. On today's podcast, we have the exceptional Jenna Kutcher. Jenna is a born and raised Minnesota wife, mother, and entrepreneur. She's helped thousands redefine success and chase bold dreams through her decade-long work as a leading online personality and educator. She is the host of the Gold Digger podcast, and author of her new book, How Are You Really? What I personally love about this conversation is Jenna's spectacular energy. Jenna has this incredible way of connecting with you as if you were just a couple of friends having a conversation about what's best for you. Except your friend is a complete boss girl who is absolutely world-class at what she does. We cover so much in this episode, from the concept of identity foreclosure and why people are so afraid to change to decision-making and this partnership between Google and the gut. We talk about authenticity, vulnerability, self-love, and confidence. And we discuss the power in asking the hard questions like, how are you really? Having Jenna on the To Be Human podcast is a big personal achievement of mine since creating this podcast just over a year ago. I got up at an early, or shall I say late, 1am for the recording of this episode, and it really showed me how this creative pursuit on the side is transforming into more of a committed lifestyle and mission. Please enjoy this fun-loving conversation with the beautiful Jenna Kutcher. Welcome to the podcast, Jenna. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. So Jenna, where I would love to start is with your beautiful new book, How Are You Really? But have you ever felt the feeling that comes when you cut the fluff, get past the small stuff, and are asked, how are you, really? Just the addition of that one precious word, that small invitation to cut the crap and stop with the niceties and be real with yourself and whoever is brave enough to ask it. It feels like a gulp of oxygen, like coming to the surface and seeing the light again. So why don't we do this every moment we can? What are we running from, drowning out, and keeping under lock and key? So where I would love to start, Jenna, is I would love to know, why do you think we don't ask, how are you really? What do you think we're hiding under lock and key? Mm, I think that we're afraid that if somebody were to ask us that, that they couldn't handle the actual response. I think that we're battling this thought of like, if I ask somebody this and they turn the question to me, are they ready for what I'm about to share? Can I trust them to hold it safely? And I also think that this applies not just in conversation with other people, but mostly in conversation with ourselves. Mm. I think we're afraid to ask the question because if the answer is I'm not happy or I'm not okay, or something does need to change that then we've got to do something about it because our generation, we do things, we, we get after it. 
and um, we can take action in every area of our life. But I think we're hiding the fact that we know we need to take action in certain places where we're not truly fulfilled. And why is it that you think that we are so afraid of taking action, particularly in parts of our lives that it can be so like sort of defining for us? Because there's this idea of identity foreclosure. Um, I talk about it in the book. Dr. Maya Shanker was on my podcast, the gold digger podcast. And, um, she shared this idea of identity foreclosure. And I think that today's society is so obsessed with identifying who we are with titles and descriptions and all of these things. And it almost locks us into feeling like we have to be a certain person or show up a certain way to add value, to be recognized, to connect. There's uh, this part in the book about like when we used to sign yearbooks at the end of school and we would always say like, never change because there's this belief of like, if you change, will we still be friends? If you change, will we still have things in common? If you change, will we still be able to relate to one another? And I think so many of us are walking through life trying to never change, but we're missing life because the opportunity and the invitation of living (laughs) is to change, to evolve, (laughs) to grow. And so- You know, it's interesting because I think so many of us are clinging to these titles and these beliefs that have been handed to us by well-intentioned other human beings, but Mm -hmm. we have stopped asking ourselves, who am I? How do I want to show up? What matters to me? And I think that's a big difference. And when we ask these questions, obviously with questions can come answers and with answers, we make, you know, decisions. Can you share more about decision-making because I know in your book, you talk about sort of this like combination of information and intuition. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, there's a line in the book of like the Google and the gut, the woo (laughs) and the work, like it's this mix of things because here's what I found is that we live in such a polarizing world, right? Like it is like you pick one or the other, you pick your lane, you stay in it. This is the way it's black and white. And I think that there's a lot of room for gray. And we're missing it because we're stuck picking one or the other. We're stuck choosing. And um, I remember when I got my book deal, I asked my editor, I said, why me? Why this book? And she said, in today's society, specifically with driven, ambitious women, we're made to believe that we either need to hustle harder, work more, Mm -hmm. always say yes, stay connected, you know, get up earlier, stay up later, or... We have to choose to manifest our way through life and say, you know, the universe is going to deliver the million dollars and the perfect spouse. And I love both of those things, Mm. but I live where the woo meets the work, where the Google meets the gut. It's where we can learn and take these blueprints and strategies and stories from people that have gone before us but where we also bring the personal side of personal development and ask ourselves, what serves me? What makes sense for me? What fuels me? What excites me? What brings me joy? Mm -hmm. And I think we've lost that mix, that, that really powerful combination in feeling like we must choose. And why is it important or imperative to be able to ask ourselves first? Yeah. You know, it's wild. I have a three and a half year old and oh, that girl, she is a hoot. 
But watching her childlike confidence reminds Mm. me that we all had it once. We all had that inner knowing and that belief in ourselves and what was possible. We all had that deeper connection to who we are without Mm. the care of the world. And we lost it somewhere. We lost it through the noise. We lost it through the criticism. We lost it through the feedback. And so it's so important because I think so many of us are walking through life feeling so disconnected from who we were meant to be or who we once were. We believe that like we lost it, but it's there. It's always been there. And when I look at my career, even over the last decade, a lot of my male peers will be like, how did you do it? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that I listened and trusted myself along the journey And I have always stayed in touch with that voice inside of me. That's like, Hey, this is exciting, or this isn't meant for you or wow, that looks cool, but I don't think it's going to feel good. And I think as a society, we've lost that because we've looked, you know, our eyes are always on screens or it's up looking at the external world and we never really go inward anymore. Yeah, it's so true. And I'd love to know your thoughts on authenticity, because I feel like sort of, you know, on this journey, you know, we want to go inward, we want to come home. But for a lot of us, it's a concept we're all aware of and that a lot of us strive for, but it's not necessarily yeah. something that feels really um, easy to do. It's kind of hard to, to, you know, okay, I want to be myself. What does that even mean? How did you in your own personal life sort of come back home to yourself? Oh, I love that. There's a line in the book that says like loneliness isn't being in isolation. Loneliness is being surrounded, but not being fully known. Mm. And I feel like a lot of us are walking through life feeling like nobody knows us, like the full breath of who we are, like the multi-passionate, (laughs) multi-hyphenate, like multi-curious person that we are. And vulnerability comes so easily when you show up as your whole self, there are days where I have it together in business and I don't have it together as a mom. (laughs) And there are days where it's flip-flopped. And for me, uh, there's a line in the book where it was like, someone asked me like, well, how do you show up so vulnerable? And I was like, is there any other way? Because I only know how to move through life as me. But Mm -hmm. what I found is that in a world that is so obsessed with like before and afters, like we love transformations, right? Yeah. We are a culture that has forgotten about how precious and incredible and inspiring the middle is. Mm -hmm. I want to watch people move through the middle. The middle is life. The middle is where life happens is where we learn and grow and evolve and are stretched. And we're missing that because we're so obsessed with just seeing the transformation that we don't actually allow ourselves to transform. And so vulnerability to me is inviting people into the journey when you don't have all the answers. It's showing up when you don't have the perfect after. It's literally moving through life and saying, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but you're invited to come along the ride. And that's actually where real connection happens because that is so much more relatable. That is what the vast majority of humans are experiencing. And that's what we're scrolling, trying to find is this reminder that we are enough and that we can do this. I love it. It's so beautiful. And I love that you mentioned vulnerability because I think I was listening to Lewis Howe's podcast that you were on and you were talking about writing your book and how, you know, you shared many vulnerable stories. It was, it was truly courageous and inspiring. And you sort of speak about sharing a piece of your heart. What was one of the more vulnerable stories that you shared in your book and why did you think that it was important to share it? Yeah. 
you know, it's really interesting. So my husband drew, we've been together for like 13, 14 years at this point. And, um, he is now just reading the book because I didn't want to give it to him because to me, like, you know, we've lived through a lot of those stories together. And, um, he told me the other day, he's like, I feel like I'm getting to like, know you in a whole different way reading this because, you know, as someone who has 500 plus podcast episodes and thousands of blog posts, <laughs> there's still so much of me that I keep and hold very sacred. And a lot of that ended up on the pages of the book. Mm-hmm. I think for me, one of the most vulnerable pieces, and it was a chapter he actually just read was about when we went through a season of loss, we had two back-to-back miscarriages over two years And I not only was grieving like the loss of the pregnancy and the loss of what was going to be in the future, but I was also grieving this loss of not allowing him to live out his dream because his dream was to be a stay at home dad. So not only did it feel like I dropped the baton in our own lives of like wanting to become mom and dad, but I felt like I was the person that was holding him back from pursuing his dream. And here he is and always has been someone that has supported me in every aspect of my life. And now I'm the reason why he can't live out his dream. And I don't know if I ever fully communicated that to him because I think I was in so much grief physically and mentally and emotionally, but him reading that felt so tender to me because it was like, I recognize that like we are teammates on this relay race and I was ready to hand you the baton and I kept dropping it. Mm. And that felt like devastating on a whole nother level. And I feel like an experience like that calls for self-love. What does self-love look like to you in an experience like that? Yeah. Self-love is coming home to myself. I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you are processing trauma or grief or anything, especially in relation to your body, your instinct is wanting to separate your brain and your heart and your soul from your body and let your body just live a separate entity, like a separate space of your life. And we forget that like we are all one and like the body is not the enemy. It's our teammate and it's just calling us home. It's waiting for us to come home. It's like this homecoming. And for me, self-love in that season is like feeling at peace and like trusting myself and my body again. And that was really hard for me, um, specifically with such a tender experience, but also as somebody who has struggled with her body her whole life, like mm-hmm. it was like almost like my inner mean girl was like, see, I told you this body is crap. I told you, you couldn't do this. I told wow. you, you know, you broke, you're broken and for me, it was like, how do I come back home to like trusting in my body's ability to do this, but also in being a human without just this goal in mind of becoming a mom, how do I just be in and with my body again? And that was really hard. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm going to take a bit of a turn here. <laughs> yeah. Let's turn, baby. <laughs> I want to talk to you about business. Something that I really mm-hmm. loved that you mentioned in the book was to work on your business, you have to first work on yourself. And I think for a lot of us, particularly the ones that sort of make these decisions to live more authentically and it kind of ends with us, you know, starting businesses ourselves. Yeah. And kind of, you know, it's all, we kind of go in the mix of like strategy, 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 and trying to learn all these things. Why do you think, and what have you learned um, yeah. about sort of, having to work on yourself first to be able to sort of create that business? Oh, I avoided personal development for as long as I possibly could because (laughs) 
I didn't want to dig into the personal things, you know, it's funny because I am a person who loves strategy and systems and efficiency Mm. and all (laughs) of these things. And yet I only wanted the development side of personal development. Mm. I didn't want to lean on the personal stuff because I think a lot of times we just pack things in and pack things down and ignore things. And we move past feelings without feeling them and all of these different things. And, you know, I think that the strategies and systems can carry you so far, Mm -hmm. but at some point you're going to have to face yourself. And for me, it was something that I had avoided for so long. Like it was just something because I recognized that I would have to unearth long held mindsets and just different things that I held to be true for myself. I would have to confront the inner narrative that wasn't so kind. I would have to really look at what type of life do I want and what feels good to me, even if it doesn't look good to the world. And it was all of these things that I had to confront. And it was almost like this unearthing where it was like, Mm -hmm. I had poured this foundation and built up on it, but I almost needed to bulldoze the whole thing and start over again. And I've rebuilt myself and my business many times. I've lived 18 million careers in the last (laughs) decade. Um, I outline all of those inside (laughs) of the book. But one thing that I think is really interesting is that I've been able to find success, whether I pivoted into watercolor art or a podcast Mm -hmm. or teaching or whatever, because I've always stayed in alignment. When I Mm -hmm. finally came home to myself in that inner knowing, it gave me this confidence of like, Hey, this sounds exciting. Let's try it. Hey, Mm -hmm. let's experiment and see how this feels. Let's just move in this direction. And the other piece of that, that I want to say, especially for entrepreneurs is we're so prone because we're passionate human beings that the minute we get a passion, we're prone to just leaving everything else and like shoving it off the wayside (laughs) and, you know, moving forward with reckless abandon. But I want to encourage you to hold on to the things that have gotten you to this point and leverage them Mm -hmm. as the catalyst to move you forward. So every time that I've tried something new or gone in a different direction or pivoted, I've held on to the things that have gotten me this far and I've leveraged them and used them to fund the next dream, to give me the time to do the next thing. And I think that's really important in a day where I feel like people are just so prone to quitting. And you mentioned both confidence and dreams. How did you develop the confidence to get out there and pursue your dreams? Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of it is that I've always just been a confident kid. I tell this story about like when my grandma, when I was little, she was like, why are you so beautiful? And I just looked at her and I said, cause that's how God made me. And I just (laughs) had this like inner confidence of like, I am created in this way to do things differently. But at the Mm -hmm. same point too, um, there's a line in the book that says the way we rise up to our battles is directly linked to the type of warrior we believe we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that really hits on confidence. Like when you are confident, you show up differently. Your energy is different. Your passion is different. Things are contagious. People (laughs) believe you like they want to like be in your orbit and it's different. And so if you are lacking in confidence, a lot of that is starting in here. It's in the privacy of your own heart and mind. 
What are the things that you're telling yourself that you've believed to be truths? Where did they come from? Who mm-hmm. gave them to you? Are they true for you? And I feel like I'm constantly like unpacking and repacking. I'm unpacking the things that don't <laughs> serve me. I'm repacking what I know to be true about myself or my capabilities or what sets me apart. And I think that confidence is a practice. It's not mm-hmm. a place of arrival. It's not a place where you just land and you're like, and suddenly I'm a confident human. It's literally <laughs> Showing up each day and choosing this narrative of confidence. And I think that's something that we've forgotten. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I love that you've mentioned that um, because I feel like, yeah, these words like confidence and authenticity and all these things, it's like we can understand the concepts, but to integrate them into our lives is a daily practice. Yes. So I want to talk to you about legacy. What do you mean by legacy? And what do you mean by we're living that right now? Yeah. You know, it's funny. We talk about in the book, like how legacy feels like, you know, that movie with like the dusty bookshelves where the grandpa's <laughs> like, and here's your, le- yeah, you know, yeah. like, here's my parting gift to you. And I think so many of us are moving through life in that way, believing that like our legacy will be something decades from now that, oh, mm-hmm. suddenly I have all the answers and here it is. And here's the meaningful work that I did and the impact I made. But here's the thing. Um, the work that you're doing today, the way you're showing up today is a part of your legacy. It is a Mm -hmm. part of your, your, your impact on the world. And I think so many of us paint legacy, almost like this finish line really far away that we don't even recognize that every single day that we wake up, Mm -hmm. we're inching closer to that line. And for me, legacy hit differently when we lost a friend who was very close to us in a tragic car accident. And I recognized that like, I was going to social media to like, feel connected to him again. Like I, I, all I wanted was to like, hear his laugh or like, think about like, what did he think was funny or what was he caring about? It's the same way that our society gets so obsessed when a celebrity passes away, Mm -hmm. everyone floods to their social media and I recognize that like in a world that is so full of highlight reels, like I want what I show up, what I share to be the real R E A L. Like this is my life. When a Facebook memory pops up, I want to be pulled back to that moment, whether it was good or bad or ugly, whether it was the before or the after the messy middle. And I want our society to recognize like the life that you're living, the things that you're doing today, this is a part of your life. The way we spend our days is the way we spend our life. And so if you're living a day today that you're not excited about, or you're not passionate about, or you hate, or you're unhappy, then it's time to face a reality that you've got to do something about that because this day is a part of the life. This life is your legacy. And that's what I think we're forgetting, especially this generation of humans. Beautiful. And for people that are sort of going to get off this podcast and they're going to ask the question to themselves, how are you really? What are some questions that they can follow on that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because we talk about this where it's like, it's the difference between like, how are you good, fine, busy, you know, the same old (laughs) to like, how are you really? And what Mm -hmm. I want for someone to do after this is I want for you to just get quiet with yourself. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to be distracted thinking about your shopping list or (laughs) what you're eating for dinner or what you need to get done or what email is waiting for you, but it'll all be waiting for you. And I want for you to just take a really deep breath and notice, how do you feel? How are you moving through life? When is the last time you felt joy? When is the last time you laughed until you cried? When is the last time you felt excited about what you were going to do? 
because I was listening to this meditation the other day and there's this line in it. And, and I think it's so powerful. And it said for many of us or for all of us, there once was a fire, but for many of us right now, we feel like ashes. And I think that this world we're in is like in this passionless burnout state where we're like, where do we go from here? And it's almost like we've forgotten that even if there's just one tiny ember, that ember can be fanned back into a flame. And so this is like your invitation to like, get quiet with yourself. If you feel like ashes right now, find that ember and fill your life with the people and the things and the inspiration that will fan that flame again, because we need passionate people to move through life with us. We need passionate people to show up and make an impact. We need passionate people to leave legacies. And so this is like your invitation, your call to action is to get quiet with yourself and to find where that ember is so that you can start fanning that flame again. Thank you so much for this inspiring conversation. Thank you for sharing. You're such a beautiful soul. Thank you for showing up and being seen. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you times a million for everything. Thank you for being awake at one in the morning to do this time together. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, but also thank you for being a part of the community and just for you pursuing your passions because it is contagious and the people that are in your circle and your sphere are so lucky that you show up in the way that you do. And I hope that when you guys see Jenna Louise showing up like this, it's your <laughs> invitation to show up in that way as well um, because it is contagious and it's beautiful. So thank you for doing what you do. Thanks. So I'd love to ask you, Jenna, on a final note, what does it mean to you to be human? So my slogan for years upon years has been imperfectly empowering other women. And Beautiful. for me, the imperfect part is the part of being human. It's learning and growing and contradicting yourself and changing and evolving. And I think that I look at being a human as being in what I call earth school. And I want to show up with what, here's what I know so far. Um, I want to show up and make a difference with what I know so far, but be open to learning more imperfectly so that I can empower more people.